Hello, and welcome to the Questionably Qualified podcast as we continue and wrap up our preview of the 2023 NFL season. I am your host and resident Sad Bears fan, John Truxus, and I am joined as usual by my co-host, Mike Yax. Yax, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, and I guess I'm the resident optimistic Detroit Lions fan. It's a new era. It's Dan a Campbell. new era, baby! <laughs> we will get to them last because uh, they actually might have the most reason for optimism out of most of the teams in the division, oh, which my. is a strange, a strange situation to be in for sure. Up is down, down is up. Here we go, baby! Biting kneecaps all the way. <laughs> all right, so we we will start the preview with the Minnesota Vikings, a team that last season I would say didn't have a lot of reasons for optimism coming in, and then kind of surprised everybody by putting together a 13-4 and season, mostly on the strength of, I believe, 11 wins in one-score games, a nice 11-0 and record in those games, which is pretty wild. So we all know that there's some regression you know, possibility there. But going through their statistical profile, they, they finished 13-4, and so the fifth-best record in the NFL, and their best aspect in terms of their DVOA finish was their offensive DVOA, which ended up 20th overall. Everybody knew this team was a fraud the whole time, and they proved it in the wild card division of the playoffs. I'm looking at this right now, but the total DVOA, they ranked 27th. How is that possible? Yep. I'll have to go back to the archives at some point, but I think it was the biggest like the the craziest win percentage for a team that was that low in DVOA that they've that they've measured. And not yeah, I was gonna say, not just last year, in the history of the NFL. Right. It has yes, to be yeah, important note. Important note. Oh, and actually that reminds me I should crack this beer because we're gonna need to talk more about these teams as we go. I did get a beer to fit the division this time as well. Uh we got a nice Bell's double two hearted from our, our reunion up there in Lewiston, Lewiston, Michigan. So we've got that one to go with tonight, and I, I you you found one in Connecticut, right? Yeah, I actually have. My brother brought out some Oberon with like habanero and mango, but I didn't opt for that because I never drink beers anymore. But I got <laughs> a Moonwalking Cowboy from Not Hill in Connecticut, and I'm kind of excited to try this place because I I like the name. I like the yeah. name. Well, we're gonna see. I guess I should have done it for. That FC East, I didn't even think about that. It has Cowboy right in the name. Yeah, you know, we can we can plan ahead a little better next season, too. This was sort of a last-minute decision, and from what I've noticed, it, it would probably help to scope it out a little ahead of time. That's true. So back to the Vikings. The, the big change they have this year, I think, is that Brian Flores is taking over as the defensive coordinator, which is a move that I think, on its face... I like a lot. I thought that Brian Flores was a very good defensive coach. I thought that he was a pretty good head coach in Miami up until he put two people in charge of the offense, which didn't work out very well, but still, for some reason, motivated Bill Belichick to try the same thing last year. And on its face, like I said, I think that's a good move. It's really tough to figure out how his sort of aggressive and blitz-heavy defense is going to work with this Vikings team, though. Yeah, I think out of all the teams, they've kind of lost a little bit more in this division than other other teams have. I mean, outside of Green Bay, who lost like an identity more than I think pieces. If that makes, I guess, but they lost a lot too. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm interested to see because you know, I don't know a team that finishes 27th overall in defensive DVOA. I mean, they were awful, and so it's like, what can Flo- I mean, we'll see what Flores is going to be able to do. I think the addition of Marcus Davenport could be interesting from New Orleans, but I mean, yeah, talented but injury prone player, right? So one where if if he does stay healthy, then that's a very nice piece to add. Yeah, and then they lost Dalvin Tomlinson though, and that's like kind of their nose tackle. But I think they're moving to like a four three rather than a like the three four. I- I don't know, so maybe they That's don't need the to replace him. That's the typical history for Flores, yeah, so that would yeah, make sense. So at that. least they don't need to replace him, and he was probably their best, one of their better players last year, I would say. At least Patrick Peterson, who's you know getting up there, but that's kind of another identity piece, I think. When you have him on your defense, it kind of, yeah, so. I, they seem to have lost a lot. 
on that side of the ball, and they already stunk and didn't really add much more. So it's it's going to be a wild ride on defense for them, I think. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I think their biggest hope is that they continue to perform well with Hawkinson in the fold after they made the trade. It was a midseason trade last year, right? Yeah, everyone. I, there's a lot. There's a lot about Hawkinson because he just got the biggest tight end deal in history. Which I mean, I don't know. But it's like people are like, "Oh, he's so good," blah blah blah. But no one in Detroit gives two shits because we traded him when we were like one in seven. So then we went eight and two the rest of the way. So like, I guess or eight. I guess we were one in six when we traded him. Yeah, I think I think he's definitely not someone that you look at as a huge difference maker. It's not like you have someone who's who's a force in the ground game and catching passes, but he does present some some matchup problems. I think for a lot of teams because he is more athletic than a lot of the linebackers who might be covering him, and he knows how to run the routes that that help you know work on a good route combo. Yeah. The best justification I've heard for the contract because it does seem crazy to to think that Hawkinson is the highest paid tight end right now is that the Vikings are sort of looking at it as a market inefficiency where you you stop pretending that Hawkinson is like an inline tight end who's going to be doing a lot of blocking and you pay him as the most expensive tight end but that's considerably cheaper than a lot of number two and number three wide receivers yeah I think they are going to use that they do like yeah I think his high end of why you're going to pay him is because he can catch and run with the ball. He isn't a terrible, like, blocking tight end. Like, right. Yeah, he's, he's not a zero. Iowa. Like yeah, a he's Jimmy Graham. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's not someone like that or like an Evan Engram. Like, that. they're literally just a wide receiver. So, like, he's not awful. Like, I don't know. I think they think they unlocked him because he had a really, like, his best half season. Yes. But, you know, I could think that's kind of... Yeah, I mean, that might be true. I mean, you know, I don't know, but... Yeah, the way he played when he showed up there, I feel like, is exactly what they were hoping for, right? Like, that's what they're hoping to get a full season of. Yes. Yeah, so... And I think that's probably true, to a degree, about how, like, yeah, we can... And, like, it'll look fine in, like, I think... I think it's only, like, four or five... Like, four years. I think they can even get out of it in three yeah, I think when, when the people I was listening to broke it down and they were talking about the salary cap, they mentioned that I think it would take like three seasons of franchise franchise tags for the highest paid tight end to reach like the middle tier wide receiver contract. <laughs> so yeah. it's one that you look at, it's like, hmm, yeah, that's that's an interesting an interesting gap there for sure. Yeah. But I you know, I don't I had a bunch of notes. I think I I summarized some I'm just interested to see what this team did on the offensive line. Like, we've yeah, because it's about, never been super strong as long as Kirk's been there, right? And it's been, it was, and it was, it had to be so bad last year. I guess we should also touch on the fact they lost Adam Thielen, but the team has injury problems. They cut Dalvin Cook, and those are two identity pieces, though, too, on that side of the ball. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, a lot of people are trying to say, like, hey, you know, this team, like, don't sleep on them. They're going to be pretty good, probably. But... Yeah, I think I think their over-under feels right for the team that they actually are, which is odd because it would overstate what they were last season from a advanced stats standpoint. So their over-under this season is set at 8.5. And, yeah. and I think, yeah, I think that last season the stats might have painted them more as a six-win team. Yeah. But... With an eight and a half number like that, I'm tempted to go under and say this is the year that the wheels fall off. It could be. It is something we like to we like to like go right to the prediction, and then I'm all like, oh, let's see who we're playing though, because you know, yeah, the division is a little bit weak. Other than you know the juggernaut that is the Detroit Lions. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the Bears later, but I'm not I'm not expecting them to be a particularly difficult opponent most of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think they could easily split with the Vikings, though. Yes. Given, I feel yeah. like Justin Fields could run the fucking score up against that defense. Him and DJ Moore are just going to, like, it's going to be a pinball team against this defense. Big time. 
Uh, yes, yeah, so let's we see. They, oh, they AFC play the NFC South. Or the AFC West. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm kind of a mixed bag. They're also there. stuck with the first place schedule, which is tough. So they get the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bengals. Broke on the road. The Niners. Like the. Oh man, this team is gonna. This is gonna be. I I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> it's gonna be a lot of come That's up. That's rough. Wins. Is what I'm hoping for in the division this year. Because it feels like this team's going to win like six games. And I'm just like, the Packers are going to just suck ass. And like, it's just going to be Lions 15 and 2. Kings of the <laughs> NFC. That's how it feels right now. No, I mean, it's not going to be like that, but this. Yeah, it's looking pretty <laughs> clear. The fu- if this is a barometer for anything, and it probably isn't. The Cardinals beat this team in the preseason, the last week of the season, of the preseason. So, I'm, I'm yeah, it's not a good sign. Into even this box score, I'm getting into this box score. We're gonna see what's up. <laughs> Who threw passes in this game? Ah, uh, Clayton Tune, nine for twelve. The Cardinals starter, he threw for zero touchdowns, and current Lion David Blau threw for one touchdown for the cards, so that feels bad. Would you say it was his final tune-up? Oh, man. <laughs> You're going to burn in hell for that one. <laughs> it's, it's fair. I think it's just dad instincts these days. Just kick in. I mean, it doesn't matter, but I just, I, I want to read a lot into this, and it doesn't feel like I can, unfortunately. Yeah, I tried to get to the league for the preseason box score and it looks like pro football reference doesn't even bother tracking it which i can't really blame him for i'm looking on google and nobody played i guess yeah so yeah i'm i'm gonna go under i think i think that first place schedule just makes it way too hard for them to get the nine wins and yeah i think a little little aggression plus that schedule and uh, and it's gonna be a rough season for minnesota yeah i mean we alluded to this and talked about in the nfc east section like this team was what thirteen and four, and promptly got bounced out of playoffs in the wild card round by the New York Giants, who then went to Philadelphia and lost by thirty eight fucking points. Like, yeah, yeah, you this saw what happened. Team stinks. The Giants yep. stunk, and they just put it on them. Like I don't know, man. In the second half of the season, the Lions like crushed this team a little bit. And they needed a miracle to beat them in the first time. I did. Is this one of the Bears' three wins? Oh, that's a great question. I'm pretty sure I the Bears. I'm pretty sure Justin we beat Fields, the Niners, which is still hilarious. Oh, that is hilarious. I think Fields put like a big time beating on these guys, but I could be wrong. So what I was trying to look up now, because this is one of my favorite ones last season, was so to your point, the Minnesota Vikings. They played, ah, played the Giants. Them. They swapped them. The they played the Giants in uh, in the wild card round, and you had a thirteen a thirteen win team traveling to play the Giants, who finished the season at nine seven and one. Or sorry, not traveling, but they're hosting hosting the Giants at nine seven and one, and their profiles were so were so similar that the line on that game was minus three. It was just the standard home line. Yep. Just a for home a line. Team win team. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, everybody, yeah. everybody knew. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. no, no. these are basically the same team. If Vegas knows, everybody knows. Like you know, come on, man. That's yeah. Yeah. So I'll go under it for them, and uh, and we can move on to uh, to the Packers. Do you have an over under on them? I'm under on the Vikings. Okay. Okay, so moving on to the Green Bay Packers, uh, just a little bit of news here, I suppose, having Aaron Rodgers leave leave town after some odd negotiating tactics on his part, and Jordan Love will be stepping in to take the snaps for the Packers this season. All I care about, really, is just tell me that it's going to be okay, and he is not going to be a Hall of Famer. Jordan Love? Yes. Oh, man, I... I can't, it doesn't seem fair, but like the book is really unwritten on him. 
I, I will tell you, I, I have watched them play competitive football. Because uh, Michigan State played Utah State his last year. And he, fuck, he fucked us up pretty bad and almost beat us, which is hilarious. Yeah. And that's when we, I, I don't think we quite were terrible that year. But I remember being like, yeah, this kid is legit, but we were not that good that year. Yeah. I just don't know if I can handle a third consecutive Hall of Fame QB for the Packers. Yeah, and they all have like the same, like seemingly the same pattern. Where it's like, I, well, you're a Bears fan, so you have some pride in like you think you're relevant in the division. I literally like <laughs> was like, oh, I kind of like Brett Favre. He's just kind of hilarious and throws the ball everywhere. But then he turns out to be like, you know, a weird. Mississippi man that steals money from welfare to build volleyball stadiums. Like, the dude's a fucking dipshit. And Aaron Rodgers, same thing. I was like, I was a pretty big fan of Aaron Rodgers until recently. And then, you know, I called all my woke friends and we got a mob together and we canceled him. And since that time, you have never heard anything about him because he is canceled. He said he's canceled and you haven't seen him on Hard Knocks, you haven't seen him on the biggest sports media show in America, in the Pat McAfee show. He actually will not go on there because me and my woke friends called Pat McAfee and he said, yeah, okay, I'm canceling it. It's canceled. Yeah, Aaron never Rodgers him again. is such a fucking dipshit and this stupid slobs, they don't fucking deserve another Hall of Fame quarterback. So I, I certainly hope not. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be holding my breath because I'll be so sad if if all I've stub- stumbled into is a third consecutive one that's considerably better than every quarterback that the Bears have ever had. Well, I mean that doesn't take a whole lot because Kirk no. Cousins is probably better than every quarterback you've had. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's unbelievably. True. I think it's yep. true. Oh no! It'd be hard to argue against it. You might find like one or two that you could you could make yeah, an argument for, true. but it's definitely not a uh, not a clear no. That's insane. So. Like cousins and on the Vikings, like say probably not. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think you can you can make a good case. So. Yeah, that's where we are. Anyway, that's the right. Packers last season finished eight and nine with with Aaron Rodgers, you know, cr- crying all the way. Uh, and most memorably, of course, they ended the season that. with that beautiful loss, to the Lions, which was probably the most fun I've had watching a final game of the regular season in in quite some time. Yeah, I like much, you know, much appreciation. Number thirty one, Kirby Joseph who I'm very excited to watch this year, picking off Aaron Rodgers three times last year, and most critically, to end his career as a Green Bay Packer, which I really love. Kirby Joseph yep. rules. It was so nice. It was so nice. So, so yeah, so last season they finished 8-9. and nine. They do not make the playoffs. They finished 11th in offensive DVOA, which was a big fall from where they had been the past few seasons. Yep. And they finished 20th in defensive DVOA, which... I think continued an odd trend there where they just they have so many names on their defense and they're just never they never lock anybody up. Yeah. Like it doesn't even seem there's a given week where they just like put the clamps on a real offense and and throttle them. So I don't know why that is. You know, I don't know how much of it is a defensive coordinator, maybe some of the names like they just don't fit together or some of the guys are underperforming, but I just don't don't feel very inspired about it the way their defense actually operates when when it comes time to watch them. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people think are kind of concerned with like what Joe Barry is doing with his defense. <laughs> I think that's true. Um, yeah, because they don't do anything like from what I've heard, they don't do anything that like kind of disguises what they do, and they don't really change what they do very often. So they're pretty p- predictable. I think that's by design for some reason. Because it's like, well, just if you have the freedom to play, like, we think our guys are better. And, like, they have a lot of good guys. But it turns out, like, you can't just sit in your base defense, like, and just beat people. Like, that's, <laughs> you're a coordinator to, like, do things that are creative. Like, there's strategy involved. Like, I don't think I should have to tell that to somebody. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of, I feel. 
I, I feel like the waves of college football have followed the same path where it was sort of a, hey, well, we got all the best talent, you know, we're just going to let them, let them go out there and do it. And then Nick Saban went to Alabama and was like, hey, what if we did that, but also had good strategy for managing the games? Exactly. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what what a, what a shift in the dynamic but it's, it's also really funny because like they can get away with it because the talent gap is so big like in the nfl that doesn't exist as urban meyer said i got 16 albamas on my schedule and yep. everyone lit him on fire for that comic because he's <laughs> stupid <laughs> as they should have yeah and like there's like so much weird shit about this team like I'm not. I don't think I know for sure, but I feel like they drafted three wide receivers in this draft, and I know for a fact it was just to tell Aaron Rodgers to fuck himself. Yeah, yeah. After all those years, there's definitely some spite move there. Like I do love Jaden Reed from MSC. I think they took him with the 50th overall pick. I'm not sure he's going to be like a stud in the NFL, but I love to that state. And then like they were trying to trade for Jonathan Taylor. Why? What? What is that even? Did you see that last week? I did. That one is that one is wild. I mean, I guess that's one where it's like, yeah, if you're offering like a sixth round pick, I understand trying to trade for him. But like, you have Aaron Jones. Yeah, yeah, and other cat, um, AJ Dillon. A lot of people think that they're like the best tandem in the NFL. Like, so yeah, like, Aaron Jones is amazing. I love him, and I and Dillon I think is solid. Um, yeah, so yeah, it doesn't seem like that's the the position you need to address. Yeah, so I always think it's so funny when it's like, they did their typical Green Bay thing, which is like, they don't love to sign a lot of people, which I think is just like, I don't know, dude, like, welcome to the, welcome to the 20th century. But it's like, the one person, so they re-signed one of their corners for like, next to no money. But then... They gave the Los Angeles Rams long snapper a three-year deal. That makes sense. Sure, yeah. And signed <laughs> one other free agent. Like, what is that from a different team? They signed, like, five of their own guys, a depth safety from San Francisco, and a long snapper for three seasons. Yeah, it's a strange move. stupid team with all of my heart. Yeah. So to your point about the wide receivers too, I think that Christian Watson, their draft pick last year, is the oldest receiver on the roster. Yeah, that's true. Which is pretty wild. I I do want to just point out real quick that I don't know that there's a huge gap. You know, not to go back to my Jets takes too much. I don't know that there's that big of a gap between Christian Watson and Garrett Wilson. If you look at their rate stats, they're pretty darn similar, and. It just so happens that Wilson had like 150 targets and Watson had more like 70. So I don't know that that Rodgers is going to find the grass that much greener from a receiver standpoint. And it might mean that Love has a pretty decent receiver to start things out with. At least he's not working with nothing. Yeah, I think that's right. And like, I think we also have to, you know, they lost Alan Lazard, who I think is pretty good, and he, he followed Rodgers over to New York. And I want to correct myself, it wasn't three wide receivers, but their first three picks was was a tight end from Oregon State, Luke Musgrave, then Jaden Reed, then another tight end in the third round, wow. and then a wide receiver in the fifth round. So four, yeah. four out of their first five picks were best I'm still a little sad that you drafted Musgrave in our in our dynasty league. I was I was eyeballing him as as the deep sleeper for my my draft. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's hard it's hard to ignore when I mean even though I think Michael Fleur is a dipshit, he definitely has already compared Luke Musgrave to George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, which those are, you can't be both of those guys. Like you can be one or the other, but like. Travis Kelsey, I don't know. He doesn't do a lot of the stuff that George Kittle. Like George Kittle is a better all-around tight end. I think we all yeah, know that. About as dramatically different styles as you could possibly have for the position. <laughs> but like, what is this guy like? A fucking tight end god? Like, if you're comparing them to both of these guys, the skill set must be unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, he's got shades of Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly right. 
yeah hopefully hopefully um that yeah anyway that's 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 a wild one so with with all that said the packers over under for this season is set at seven and a half which also sort of feels like a slap in the face of, of the departed quarterback because they just barely squeaked over it last season yeah but I'm a little surprised to see it that low, in part because their schedule is not going to be like the Vikings, where they have to play the first place teams in all these divisions. And also in part because I don't, you know, either either Rodgers slipped last year or maybe his finger injury was was a big part of it. But either way, their offense was only 11th last season. Yeah. And if Love is an average NFL quarterback, then I feel like they'll still be in the somewhere because you have a great running game and a good offensive line and a coach who seems to understand how to leverage that so I don't know that I would expect a huge slippage on that side of the ball and the thing with with uh, I think LaFleur which I, I'm not like a big big fan of his but I think that he'll be able to figure out if like his quarterback needs a little bit of cover he's going to be able to like figure the ground game out and he even wanted to do that a lot with Rodgers in the even in the two years he won the MVP. Like they ran the ball well and effectively, and that was kind of how they kind of got Rodgers going. And to be fair, in games where they couldn't, they could pass the run if they needed to because they had Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, I'm not as worried about Jordan Love. I don't think they're going to ask him to do so so much. I think they have a very good offensive line, and I think they have very good running backs. And I think if Jordan Love, and Jordan Love's going to add a component, he's a lot more mobile than Rodgers. I don't think they're going to do a ton of design runs with him, but it's something where they can at least keep you honest using him that way. So I think, yeah. So I, yeah, when you look at the position he's in, is he going to? I, yeah, I don't think he needs to be as good yet as Rodgers or Favre before him. To have success, but you know they did lose a lot. It's an entirely different, like all the identity guys that kind of like gave this team identity are all gone. Like, yeah, it's a t- it's a full changeover, right? Of of your team, essentially, yeah. like not from a, a personnel standpoint, but what you've been doing has been turned over entirely. Yeah, and I think like yeah, we're gonna, I mean it's really going to test the metal of Lafleur, I think. And if he is as good as a lot of people say he is as a coach, then I think they're going to be a lot better than people think this year. Um, but if he's not, then yeah, they could run into a whole, a whole host of problems. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I'm going to end up going over on them. Uh, I think that their schedule just isn't that bad. I think the Bears are the worst team in the division. Yeah. And if you get two wins over the Bears, which generally is the case when it comes to Packers-Bears rivalry, and you get at least one off the Vikings, then you've got three there, and you've got some pretty soft out-of-division games to work with to sort of boost that total past that. Yeah, they they feel like a team that at least goes 500 in the division, and then it's a matter of getting five more games. And so when I look through the schedule, I think there are five more games. <laughs> so I'm going to go over with you. I know that's boring. I think we're going to... Unless you surprise me on the line, because you might think we're going to be in, in lockstep here. Oh, maybe not. Yeah. But do you think it's a big deal that they lost um, that one? <laughs> that they lost Randall Cobb to the Jets? <laughs> I mean, he can't. He can't overstate the impact of Randall Cobb in in the year twenty twenty three. I don't think so either. Do you also think that it's a big deal that they lost Robert Tanyan and Mercedes Lewis? <laughs> I forgot that Mercedes Lewis was there again last season. Oh, you're gonna get you're gonna get used to the the Mercedes Lewis man. I am pretty positive that Musgrave in his rookie season is gonna play better than both of those guys. <laughs> I think you're right about that. Mercedes Lewis is thirty nine. And the Chicago Bears signed him to a deal. Yeah. Do you know who else they signed to a deal at tight end? And why was it Bob Tunyon? It was Robert Tunyon. So you just have (laughs) both Green Bay's departed tight ends for literally no reason. That's not a good sign. Not a good sign. We just love washed up 
tight ends. I mean, Tunyon isn't old enough to be washed up yet, but the Mercedes Lewis one reminds me very much of Jimmy Graham. You remind me. Wait, Mercedes Lewis is the fastest man alive. The fastest man alive. Is that him? Yep. How the fuck is he still in the league? I made that joke five years ago. <laughs> no, that can't be right. I have to be thinking of someone else. I think it's Mercedes Lewis. I'm pretty positive. No, it can't be. Yeah, it can't be. <laughs> I mean, I think it is, but all right. <laughs> What's that? Uh, this is this is making for a good podcasting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, uh, so with the Packers out of the way, let's go ahead and move on to my Chicago Bears. And there's not a lot to be optimistic about here. The Bears finished 3-14 and 14 last season. I think that was in many ways masked by the fact that Justin Fields was a fantasy football phenomenon. A dynamo. Great, other than the fact that it didn't really translate to on-field success for the offense. They <laughs> finished 32nd in defensive DVOA, which always hurts Bears fans quite a bit. But they were also breaking the team down throughout the season, so I can't feel too bad about that finish. Their offense finished 25th, but that is very much boosted by some wild Justin Field scrambles that, that ended up in touchdowns. Uh, their offensive line uh, had the highest adjusted sack rate allowed. Part of that is also Fields, but they also don't have a good offensive line. And from a turnover standpoint, they pretty much have nothing from a uh, like the key position turnover. The coachings, coaches are all the same. Fields is going to be the starter once again this season, at least to start. Uh, but he does have Tyson Bajan breathing down his neck. God damn it. I, Matt Eberflus has to be an idiot. It's certainly possible. And yeah, it's something I don't want to consider just yet. But the way that I'm coming into this season as a Bears fan is that the only thing I care about is watching Justin Fields do something as a passer that shows development. Because I think he's he's had reasonable excuses to this point i would say in yeah. his in his first season of getting game time matt Nagy was still the coach and admitted to not having a game plan drawn up for when he would be pushed into action so and matt Nagy still has a job by the way he's the offensive yeah. coordinator of the chiefs is just such bullshit we did a whole thing about this but i hate that that's so insane truly wild and then in the next season it's eberflus and the Bears offensive line is one of the worst in the league. So he's yeah. he's been, you know, kind of thrown into the fire there in terms of trying to figure out the game as he goes. And that's fine. But I think if you don't see the progression in terms of regular old quarterback play this season, then it's probably time to give it up. And you just realize that you have a, a freak athlete playing quarterback. But the parts that concern me is that I haven't seen him do anything passing that is like a a, a wow sort of thing he's had a couple moments um i remember his first season playing against the steelers he had a nice drive against a good defense late in the game but it's not like a oh well he does throw a really pretty deep ball and he can really drop it on guys there are a lot more passes that are just missed by a few yards which is pretty troubling yeah and i think we're gonna have we're gonna see because when you have somebody like dj moore on the team Mm -hmm. that's not like all the other clowns like i know you want to say who's the darnell mooney Darnell mooney's all right but i don't know he's yeah he's had terrible receivers to work with like terrible receivers exactly and if we're saying darnell mooney's the best one which he has been by a country mile dj moore is like night and day from him so you know if we want to put we have him out there and then like as supporters you got like cole Komet. And Darnell Mooney. Now we're talking about it could be okay, right? So if right. he can't make it work with those guys, yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, also Mercedes Lewis. I do have to go back. I <laughs> think the fastest man on earth is Jared Cook. I think that's who it was. Oh my god, you're right. It is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would say they're around the same age, though. <laughs> they, I think they are, and the reason Mercedes Lewis has forty times four eight. Jared Cooks was four five, and he was like thirty seven. And a uh, an analyst was like, "Jared Cook is a lot faster than you think. He's got that four five forty time." I'm like, "Motherfucker's thirty seven and fifty pounds heavier than sure that." Sure, he did. So I'm point. sure he could run a four five. But right now, my eyes see a five flat. So <laughs> I don't, don't want to fuck with Jared Cook. I'm sorry, Jared Cook's not going to hear this, but I'm sure he, it was a four eight. 
that just makes point. me super excited to to twitch some of the uh, the Thursday night games this season together because <laughs> we can we can let the world know about all of our insights when we're watching games this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be fun if we can figure out how to do it. Yeah, yeah, you know, still got to do some technical technical work there to make that happen. But yes, it'll, it'll be a good time. Yeah, so so anyway, that's that's pretty much all I'm interested in this season as a Bears fan. I, I don't expect them to improve very much on the three and fourteen record. They're still very much in an early rebuild. You don't stage. think the seven and a half line is fair? I I don't understand where the <laughs> f that line. How who who is picking them to win eight games this year? Why would they win five more games than last year? One of their wins last year was against the Trey Lance 49ers in a monsoon. <laughs> like, they shouldn't have won three games last season. That seems like a really easy... a, a game that you could really easily repeat. So I, I see why people really took a lot of stock in that one. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, call <laughs> call on the gods <laughs> to deliver a, a wicked rainstorm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> slide around and get yourself a win against a team that's bound for the conference championship. I mean, for sure. You had, a, <laughs> you had um, let's see, by DVOA or defense was last. That's, Dead last. That's rough. But do you think signing Tremaine Admins, who's an off the ball linebacker, made it first? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll it'll boost it up into the top ten. Right? <laughs> Shades, Shades of the Lions. Shades of the yeah. Lions, by the way. Yeah, this is the this will fix it. I did do, I did Loki like the the late edition of Yannick and Gakway. I think that he is. I agree. Criminally yeah, overlooked. Nice I think he's a pretty good player. I think that's I think that's correct. Oh oh, and actually, I I meant to say as well. We should address a conversation in an earlier podcast this this cycle when we were first discussing Tyson Bagent, and we mentioned that the name of Harlan Hill, whose <laughs> whose name graces the trophy for the best player in Division Two college football, we yeah. thought it sounded oddly familiar. You did, I did not, I did not. Yeah, and I was like, why why on earth would that one sound oddly familiar when I can't even like piece together where I've heard of it before? <laughs> and we did a little digging. It didn't take long because it was something we've already dug into. Yes. But Harlan Hill is number two on the Chicago Bears all time receiving list. Where did he play? Right flanker? I'm <laughs> <laughs> He was a flanker. Oh, he was! Nice! He, he is one of the six non-wide receivers <laughs> that are in the top ten for the Chicago Bears in receiving yardage all time. There are also tight ends like Mike Ditka, yeah, running D- backs is, like Walter Payton. Is Ditka flankers, third? Left ends. <laughs> How many wide receivers are on that list? There are four. <laughs> oh, man. That's four tough. wide receivers on a list of ten. Is one of them Alshon Jeffrey somehow? Yes, Alshon Jeffrey is number three. You can that cannot be true. Number three on the list. He played from 2012 to 2016 for the Bears. That's, that's four seasons. His last season, he played 16. <laughs> so the list: number one, Johnny Morris, a flanker who played from 1958 to 67. Number two, Harlan Hill. Oh boy. 1954 to 61 as a left end. Sorry, he wasn't a flanker. Oh, man. Alshon Jeffrey, 2012 to 2016. Walter Payton, who, incredible player, is a running back, 1975 to 87. Matt Forte has got to be on there somewhere. Mike Ditka, number five, 61 to 66. Curtis Conway, 93 to 99. That's a wide receiver, right? It is, yep. That's that's wide receiver number two on there. There Matt Forte. Yeah, yeah, I knew it. There you go, 2008 to 2015. Marty Booker, 99 to 2008. That's another wide receiver. Damn, he was really on there cult. a long time. Oh, also Willie a wide Galt, receiver, of course, of course. best known for being an Olympic track athlete. 1983 to 87. And then number 10, rounding out the list, Ken Cavanaugh, a left end who played from 1940 to 1950. Yeah, they were just uh, getting the hang of the forward pass then. Alan Robinson is number 11 on the list. 
so that's what we're working with as Bears fans. That's that's our life. That's our life that we that we live in here. So DJ Moore, I believe, already has more receiving yards than Johnny Morris, which is pretty wild. So yeah, that in mind, uh, I'm going under on the Bears this season. I don't understand why they would ever get to eight wins. I will take any adjusted line there is and go under five wins, under four wins, maybe definitely under five wins. Yeah. I am joining you on the under here. I do not understand the seven and a half number. I mean, I think if you, I guess we could look at the, at the schedule. And it's the same number as the Packers. Why do they have the same numbers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. I just don't. The Packers, I kind of understand. It's like you're one win lower. But the Bears, it's like you got Tremaine Edwards and Yannick and Gakwe, and now you're. That's four wins? I, I don't know why that's... No, wait, that's five wins. Five wins. You'd have to win five more games than last season. Why? In order to get the over. Yeah, it's insanity. So they play the Packers, Bucks, Chiefs, Broncos, Commanders, Vikings, Raiders, Chargers, Saints, Panthers. They get more divisional games. Browns. They do get the Cardinals. That's... How much fun is that game going to be on Christmas Week Eve? Week 16. For you oh, Christmas Dad? Eve? Oh, Christmas that's going to be a beauty. That's going to be an absolute legendary game. I want to be I want to be on the call. I'll call with you guys the whole time. I don't even have to talk to you. I just want to watch. Let's do it. That'll be that'll be a great one. <laughs> just I watch the eyes glaze over on that Christmas one. Christmas Eve is canceled, Nolan. I'm watching <laughs> my friends watch a game. This yeah. it has to be under because of price invasion. Matt Eberflus cannot be good at his job. I'm sorry. Maybe Bajan is worth five wins. John, and this is going to sound really insane if you're not a fan of. I think you should leave. But if Tyson Bajan is an expert Warner, I will kill myself on live television. <laughs> <laughs> If he gets injured, if Fields is injured week one, and then the Bears run to the playoffs, find Tyson Bajan, I <laughs> I don't know what I'll do, but I don't know. It might involve I don't know what it'll involve. Looking glass potentially. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Something that would be. I mean, I I don't know if that happened. I that's hilarious. Yeah, it'll definitely at least justify a Sandra Bullock movie. <laughs> it'll, okay. it'll actually be more like the JFK movie, and then after he wins twelve games, it'll be me like looking into like conspiracies that like you know going down like a Charlie Kelly like connecting the yarn everywhere. The NFL actually is scripted. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's the, that's the movie. I mean, I will my brain will explode, and I will try to figure out how it actually is scripted because no, <laughs> yeah. So, if the NFL was scripted, obviously the best storyline would be the Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl this season. Oh, my God. So, I would like to just clear the floor and allow you to introduce our our wide wide audience to the Detroit Lions in 2023. I don't know what I can say now that I haven't said already. The Detroit Lions, the Honolulu Blue and Silver, the Motor City Kitties. Our head coach is a maniac. Um, people think that our wide our offensive coordinator is a genius, but he delivered this hilarious quote. Did you see this? I don't think I've seen it. No. That I put I I put it. I think I put it in the chat somewhere for our fantasy football league guys. If you didn't know, John and I are in a fantasy football league together. This is what Ben Johnson had to say about Jameer Gibbs. We might use Gibbs in some ways that people don't quite think we might. That's a genius. Genius level. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think I've talked a lot about the Detroit Lions. Um, How much are you bought into the hype for this season? They're over under, just for the record, is nine and a half. So, I think that's within the realm of possibility. I think 10, I'm probably over on 9.5. I think 10 is attainable. Um, you look at 
back at you look through the numbers of this year. You got that def, the defensive DVOA is atrocious. It's twenty eight, um, and that's kind of like the it's kind of a tale of two seasons, I think, with the defense, where we were like probably the worst by a lot, like back down even farther down than that Bears defense. And there's so many young pieces, um, but they kind of turned it around. But there's a ton of turnover in the back end. We had so much trouble in the secondary last year. It was kind of unbelievable. Um, that secondary, like the first game, our best safety went down, Tracy Walker. And I'm pretty, I think he was calling the place in the huddle before that. So, like, how often does the safety have the green dot? It's, mm-hmm. you never ever see that. But, I mean, now it's, uh, Alex Anceloni, who's our linebacker. And who we inexplicably signed to a three-year extension, and then in the first round also drafted an off-ball linebacker in Jack Campbell. I low-key think it's just because his last name's Campbell. <laughs> it's a good reason. Like, literally, they were making like uh, this. The coach is your uncle jokes, and I'm like, just shut, shut up. They're definitely spitting right in the eye of any salary cap or, or a draft advisor. <laughs> In terms of their positional choices, uh, I mean, we all know. I like I wanted Jalen Carter. He was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. I think I said I said this on the NFC East um, podcast that we did. But yeah, he's going to be amazing. And then we traded down to get a running back, which that's insane. But hey, John, again, we might use him. Wait, let me get this right. People don't quite think we might wait. We might use them in ways that people don't quite think we might. So, <laughs> so there you go. That's so, the secret right there. So that's the thing. They think he's a running back, but we might use him in a way that people don't quite think we might. And if we do that, then it's over. And we win immediately. <laughs> so so to, to your to your point about the tale of two halves, the Lions started last season 1-6 and six and finished 9-8. and eight. So they went on an 8-2 run to end the season. And as I was trying to prepare for this game... Uh, sorry, this this pod, I, I went back over the results because I was kind of looking at it like, okay, I know they had a good end of the year, but was it actually good or is it just like, oh, they played good teams at the beginning and bad teams at the end, and that's how that sort of thing we happened. We took it to some good teams in the end, though. I, the well, schedule makes it look better than it did before. Like, so, yeah. even in their bad start, they lose by three to the Eagles. Oh, I was at that game. That was a, That game was bananas. Yeah, and at the time it was yeah. like, well, we didn't think the Eagles were, were what the Eagles ended up being. But looking back at it, it's like, dang, they they only lose by three to the Eagles, and that was like they, forty-eight to forty-five or something. Like thirty-eight, thirty-five, thirty-eight yeah. to thirty-five. It was a completely asinine game. Also, that was before Jared Goff in the second half of the season just stopped throwing interceptions altogether. Just didn't do it. He threw a pick six in that game and ended up being the difference. Yeah, so they they lose to the Vikings by four points. They lose to the Seahawks by three points. That's another one. That's that, another you know. one we didn't know. So, yeah, that's a, I was like, yeah, I mean, you can convict me on this. I thought Dan Campbell was an idiot, and I was like, get him out of town because Geno Smith just put up 40 points on us. Right. So, yeah, I, looking over the whole schedule, like, I think they only have two really bad losses. They get crushed by the Patriots. That was, we, that was insane because Dan Campbell... Dan Campbell went for it on fourth down in that game six times and did not get a single thing. It's 0 for 6, yeah. It was 0 for 6. It was literally insane. Our, like, we had kicking problems throughout last year. I think we missed three kicks that game and were 0 for 6 in fourth down conversion and turned the ball over. It was a nightmare. That's a rough one. Yeah, yeah. So you, you two field goals, you get a defensive touchdown. And it wasn't Mac Jones. Bailey Zappi exterminated us. We're the 17 reason, to 21 for 188. We're, we're the reason that New England Patriot dickheads scream about Bailey Zappi and putting him in the game. 100%. We got shut out. Yeah, it was awful. Absolutely. And then the only other bad loss they Carolina. had is that one to the Panthers late in the year. Dante Foreman, what did he rush for? 220 yards. <laughs> hey, that's another bear. He could be good. I actually. I'm actually higher on him after watching him eviscerate us for however many yards it was. 
Dante Foreman, I, actually, I like him quite a bit too. I think he's he's very solid. He went for 20, 21 carries for one hundred and sixty five. Oh, okay. With My a bad. long of thirty eight, so it's not even like he was stacking up, no. uh, you know, big big seventy yard run to boost those numbers. Yeah, just gassing us all day. And he's not to be outdone by Chuba Hubbard, oh, Chuba. who went. 12 attempts for 125 Holy yards. Shit. Oh, my God. Cool, cool 10-plus yards. <laughs> Again with a long of 35. Oh, my God. Chuba. Chuba got us. That's the curse of Barry right there. Chuba. I'm pretty sure he did, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, those are the only two, like, really bad losses I see on the calendar. And I think... Maybe that's a situation where they just their run defense was so bad that if a team truly just committed to it, then they were they were in big trouble. But all you need is a little bit of improvement on defense to go from like twenty eighth to twenty first, right? Because twenty eighth is like the bottom of competing teams yeah. essentially. Yep. And if you can get that up to like twenty first, mm-hmm. and your offense stays solid, which personnel wise it seems like they should even though it does suck that jameson williams got suspended yeah and we lost jamal williams who i loved and talked about pokemon who is super fun yeah and he you know delivered after that packers game delivered one of the funniest post-game interviews i've ever heard in my life it was great oh it was so funny oh yeah and then like all the guy all the all our guys like clowning the introductory um, like the introductions for the teams, like on the Monday Night Football game. Oh, that's right! I forgot about that. That was great. We had a ton of guys do that, including uh, Jamal Williams. So, so let's take a look at the schedule just real quick, because the over/under is set at nine and a half, which has got to be the highest one for a Lions team in quite some time. They their season they have a bye week in week nine. Their first eight games at Kansas City, home for Seattle, home for Atlanta. At Green Bay, home for Carolina, at Tampa Bay, at Baltimore, home for the Vegas. I mean, they could be six and two. <laughs> See, you're looking at that as a non Lions fan who has not yes. been. Con- I look at that and I see one in five. <laughs> and I can't. I'm, I'm going to pick the over just because I'm like, fuck it. Why not? Why not us this time? Yeah. But I look at that and I'm like, eh, 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 who knows? He's not going to run for a million yards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I did just say, right, the teams they struggled with last season were the ones that just committed to the ground game. And, and if Falcons are going to do that. <laughs> I'm like, Dante Foreman did that to us last year for the Panthers. What is Miles Sanders going to do to us? Yeah. I mean, what he did to us in Philly. <laughs> It's a fair point. It's not like Tampa. It's not like Tampa can throw the ball, so they'll be running also. <laughs> so I mean, the two wins are what the Bucks and the Packers. There you go. Raiders. I also. Oh, right, that's I okay. Raiders, three. So. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Nah, I mean, but if we play how we should, yeah, you think Seahawks, Falcons, Panthers, Packers, Bucks, and then yeah, losses to the Chiefs and the Ravens probably. If they're if 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 I take the over on them. And they are five and three at that point. Then I should be in pretty good shape. They still got two Bears games left, two Vikings games left, the Broncos. Yeah, they should hopefully be able to figure out the remaining ones from there. Yeah, I mean we got we got one of the Chargers Wests. <laughs> we got the Lions Wests and the Chargers. All that being said, oh, I'm going to go under. Fuck! <laughs> such a dick. Nice things don't happen to the Lions. That's they very true. The Lions, I, they don't happen to the Bears. They don't happen to the Jets. <laughs> they happen to the Bears more than us. Yes, yes. By a bit. By a bit. It's been a rough stretch in, in Bears land lately. I mean, yeah, but you're in the Super Bowl in 2006, and the last time I checked my notes, you're in the Super Bowl in 2000 and fucking never. Yes, so. it's true. It's true. We don't, ha- we don't have a case to be the, the saddest franchise. I'm still going over. I don't give a shit at all. Yeah, my Lions conditioning sees us winning like six games, but <laughs> we've there had games where we won eleven. We've won eleven in my life. Yeah, uh, we were yeah. eleven and five in two thousand fourteen. The Packers were twelve and four that year. <laughs> if memory serves. Yeah, we all live in that shadow. That's for sure. Yeah, but 
just the stuff they did with the defense. I love what they did in the secondary. We're going to get Tracy Walker back. Got Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley. Like, they come from Pittsburgh and San Francisco, respectively. And then, well, uh, gosh, we talked about it. I've been referencing the NFC East podcast so many times. Because I talked about it then, where they thought they were going to sign CJ Gardner Johnson, but they instead got Darius Slay. But that was the Lions' boon, man. Like, CJ Gardner Johnson is a really good player. And it's like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson going in the second year. Um, if James Houston plays all the games and has the same sack rate he has, he's going to have more sacks than Lawrence Taylor. That's wild. That's, that's crazy. That's insane. Like, he, ow, he, it's like I'm paying for 30 sacks or something. Wow. It's like insanity, but that's not going to happen, obviously. Nice things don't happen to us. I'm, I'm just so bummed we didn't take Jalen Carter because as the aforementioned stat is how bad we were against the running game. And now we still got Alan McNeil, who's, like, fine, but, like, we could have had Jalen Carter in the middle of our defense. Yeah, it seems like having adding a wrecking ball like that would be exactly what you need to, like, give that defense a jolt. That was literally, like, that was the guy we needed. Like, you can say about Jameer Gibbs whatever you want. Like, I don't know. I've heard that we might use him in some ways that people don't quite think we might. That's what I've heard. <laughs> But uh, I think we could have used Jalen Carter in some ways that people thought we might, and it would probably have been more impactful. It'd probably be more impactful than the, those. Like we that 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 those that pick turned into Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta, and that's a yeah. tight end we drafted out of Iowa because we needed to replace T.J. Hawkinson, I guess. Right, even though you were fine letting him go. Yeah, when you were like, hey, this guy. Which is, you know insane that I just, I looked it up 40 times for tight end. He runs a faster 40 than the fucking tight end got on the Packers. I bet you didn't think that. Didn't, didn't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Musgrave, he, he ran it 200th of a second faster than wow. tight end got. And Sam Porter apparently can block as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a neat trick. <laughs> Fucking Packers. What else? I'm trying to think. What else we we can say? Uh, the only thing I was going to say, the only thing I was going to add is, for the record, I don't, I don't expect the Lions to be bad. Yeah. I just think they're going to end up going like nine and eight again. I think they're just gonna they're gonna build up the expectations with ah! a great finish to last season. Yep. And then and like that's. That's kind of the trick of that, though. I think we've talked about this. I don't know if we ever did on the pod. That's like, what you hear, it's like, people want last season to carry into the next season. But, like, the Lions aren't an 8-2 and two football team from last year. They're a 9-8 and eight football team from last year. But I, yeah, the hype is, you're, you ignore the one and six. And you say, they're 8-2. and two. And then you transfix like, you transpose the 8-2 and two into next season. So they're like, well, shit. Like, what does that mean? That means we're 14-3. and three. Like, no! That's just not really how that works. Um, yeah, and kind of like you said, like, Garrett Goff 13, stopped turning the ball over in the second half. And it's like, well, I'm not saying he's going to spend all season turning it yep. over like he did in the first half. I'm just yep. saying it's probably somewhere in between. Yeah, and he didn't turn it over, like, a ton in the first half, but some. But he didn't, like, yeah, I think he threw five picks total last year. And for ten games, threw zero. And we, like, we didn't turn the ball over, I don't think, at all. Almost, almost at all. Like, we had a few fumbles. But you cannot count on any quarterback to not turn the ball over at all. Especially if you're going to throw it a bit. But our offensive line, I think, is stacked. We had to the depth in there. Like, Grant Glasgow. He's kind of he's back. We drafted him. He's he's all right. Um, we didn't add a Harlan Hill Award winner, which I think we're fucked. <laughs> Next year, I hope we get John Makocha in UDFA, and then we're gonna go head to head with the Bears. Yeah, yeah. Start thinking about a future. You know, Goff will be entering his age twenty nine season next year. So yeah, you know what? 
Fuck Hendon Hooker, who we drafted in the third round this year. We're going to get John Matoka. And uh, that's going to be that. But, yeah, hopefully J-Mo can come back and be impactful. I'm really worried. Like, the depth in our wide receiver room is so, so stretched. There are run blanks. We're going to side Mike Evans. That cannot, or he, we're going to trade for Mike Evans and extend him. That would if, be sick. If that happened, I don't even, I don't even know. We're going to win 17 games if that happens. <laughs> Seeing the Randy Moss, Tom Brady connection all over again. <laughs> um, and that's so crazy. That's such a weird thing, but I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Well, that does it, buddy. We made it through the entire NFL. We got all of our previews recorded. We'll have them all posted this week, and we will be getting getting podcasts going weekly after that to uh, to preview the upcoming games for the the weekend uh, approaches. Yeah, we do. Are we just going to record the aforementioned Twitch stream? How are we going to do this? Our fans does our fan deserves to know. <laughs> they they must know. Uh, well, first, I'm going to create a Twitch account. <laughs> I have one from like a long time ago, I think. Okay, that's good. That's but good. Do you need a separate one to be a Twitcher and a watcher? That's You're asking much, the wrong person. That's how I much I so. know about Twitch. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where we stand on this one. So <laughs> we'll be doing some work on it. I got some PTO coming up. We'll, we'll get it figured out. <laughs> uh, are we going to have it ready in three days? That's the no. question. No, I don't think we'll be ready for the first game of the year. Maybe let's let's target like week three or four. I got okay. I have a little travel coming up. So oh, we'll, we'll right. do we'll do week four. All right, we'll we'll try to do our first Twitch for uh, for a Thursday night football oh, game. This is this is how you market. This is how you leave the fan wanting more. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Ryan's over, baby, to the fucking moon. Ford's <laughs> on the field. Fuck NFC North. I don't give a shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Yaxi. I'll talk to you later, bud. <laughs>